0: If you, if you want, want to, give your favorite news. News. give the a, a call. Gizmo Gizmo hey, and welcome to Gizmo Sapiens Show 206. We're going to entitle this one Wonderking, Wonderkind. Wonderkind, uh, because we're talking about Star Trek related things, including Prodigy. Prodigy, Wonderkind. Okay. Um The biggest thing I I had to start off with, and the reason I I kind of entitled it this way, is um, the Wave 2 of Series 1 of Playmates figures was announced. So um, if you remember, I think we talked about this a month or so ago, that in July, Playmates is going to release their first, uh, it's eight figures. Um, You have uh, Riker, Picard and Data from the third through seventh season uniform of TNG, um, and I did get pictures. And the sculpts are definitely better than the original the pictures original we saw. The ones, yeah. Um, I don't. The one thing I don't like is that they're continuing to use the shiny plastic.
1: Yeah.
0: And that was one of the things that made the uh, what became the Art Asylum figures that became Diamond Select when Diamond Select bought Art Asylum. Um, uniforms so good was that they looked like material because they weren't glossy Um, but you also have Burnham and Saru which are the only new figures they had you know never before done Um, and then you're getting Admiral Kirk and Captain Spock and Khan from the Wrath of Khan and those first eight figures which like I said are supposed to be out in July (laughs) Um, they are four-inch figures which is kind of an odd size because before they were three and three quarters, which was an odd size compared to the standard for a long time was either, you know, there's three standards for figures typically. You have um, one which is a 12 inch figure, Um, you know, which the the original GI Joes, and then in the, you know, the end and from like 92, 93, 94 of the, the G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, they brought back the 12-inch Joes. Um, and then um, you have the 1-8. trying to remember why. One. One, 1-6 is the 12-inch. one is the 6-inch figures, which the current G.I. Joes, the classified series G.I. Joes, and the Marvel Superheroes and the Star Wars Black <clears throat> figures, they're all um, one-twelfth, you know, which are six-inch figures. And then you had the two-and-three-quarters, which were the one-eighteenth. They were really three inches, but two-and-three-quarters, the three inches, they would all fit the same vehicles and use the same size accessories and all that stuff. And part of the reason that in the industry that there's this standard is because <clears throat> uh, the idea, particularly when they first envisioned uh the Star Wars, the Kenner Star Wars figures and the the uh, Hasbro, G.I. Joe, Real American Hero figures was that they were all, you could play with them all together. And Mego, Mego, you know, which I think is hilarious, they're the ones who created that standard because they started it with the Chips figures and the Battlestar Galactic figures, which came out uh, prior to the Star Wars figures, which then came out a couple years prior to the G.I. Joe, Real American Hero figures. and so now we have these four inch figures, which they really are not 118th scale. They're too big to use the same accessories and vehicles and things. And, and, and why that's important is for kids, if you' if kids want to play with them, it means you got to have a whole different set of stuff that you know accessory wise. But for collectors, it's a big deal.
1: Now Saru... You could probably get away with.
0: Correct. He probably is a six-inch figure, even though he's to yeah. scale with the the others. Um, but it's important because collectors, the people who really make the sales on these toys, um, they want to be able to mix and match things and build their own sets by modifying other pieces. And, and a good example of that is um, Dollar Tree stores sells and it. For what it is, it's actually fairly good. I mean, the, it's only a five-point articulation action figure, but they sell this uh, set of figures called Final Faction, and it's a, set in the, you know, in the future, and you have humans, but they're two and three-quarter inch figures, and um, they have removable helmets and you know, rifles and knives and guns, and, <clears throat> and, um, and then you have the humans and you have the aliens. And they even, I mean, they've done a great job with it. The, it they were a dollar a piece prior to Christmas, and everything at Dollar Tree is now a dollar and a quarter for the most part. So after Christmas, but they've added a lot of the Final Faction stuff, and they're starting to get accessories. And, like, for a dollar and a quarter, you can get this really, really cool, like, uh, kind of like the G.I. Joe Awe Striker, you know, uh, thing. It's a dollar and a quarter, and then it's a dollar and a quarter for the armor to go on it. But you, for a, and I've seen these guys go out there and they're making, they're modding these things, painting them and adding some accessories and <clears throat> detailing them out, <coughs> and making these beautiful, um, like you know, accessories to go with their GI Joes and Cobras, yeah, in their collections. And that's why these scales are important. And yes, I know that Playmates was kind of all over the place with Star Trek figures in their run, but the majority of the figures were three and three quarter. I mean, there were some that were five inches and some that were four inches and their their, uh, G.I. Joe equivalents weren't quite 12 inches tall. They were like 10 inches.
1: Um, Playmates has always kind of had that thing where I don't want to put words in their mouth, but if they're going to sell a figure line, they want to sell the accessories, they want to sell it all and make all that bank.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, so you have have these eight figures. Well, then they announced Wave 2, which I'm actually um, a little more – I mean, I'll buy the others. I don't know that I will buy two sets. I will of the Discovery ones because there have been no Discovery figures yet. And so – and that being a show that I <clears> – <throat> which we'll get into a little bit, that I've in, in certain seasons loved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I I don't have any on display. I mean, um, but they did the prodigy figures. And so I'm actually kind of shocked because the sculpts are really good. They look as good as the characters on
1: the show. But do you think that's easier because they're animated rather than live action? Well,
0: I'll tell you, part of the reason they look good is they're not all glossy. Wow. You know the uh, the de- they definitely are doing better on the details of the sculpts this time around, because I think they if you ever watched the on Netflix the series the the toys who. Uh, I forget what the whole thing is, but they have one on GI Joe. Yeah. And uh, they they talk about, you know how the GI Joes came about, and and they also have one on Star Trek, and and. So the one on Star Trek, they talk about Playmates and, and the craze of Playmates and how they made so many figures and stuff because they, and, and part of the reason the sculpts were kind of crappy or, or less detailed originally was because they were trying to sell them to toys, which is, or uh, to, to kids as toys, yeah. whereas just like the Gloob license had been prior to them, yeah. although Gloob did two and, you know, two and three quarter inch figures just like G.I. Joe's, or three and three quarter inch figures like G.I. Joe's. And um, and then they realized that they were selling. People were collecting them. Adults were collecting them, as opposed to you know getting a lot of kids buying them. And uh, so I think they may have learned something. And you know CBS or Par- I can't even call it CBS anymore. They're now officially Paramount. Um, I think Paramounts because you know they now have an office for a licensing Star Trek merchandise only. And I think they stepped in and they said, hey, look, you know, these, the, the majority of people who we think are going to buy these are collectors, so we want better quality. Now, what I don't want to see is G.I. Joe classifieds, if you can get them in the store, are like 1995 or 1999 retail. Star Wars black figures, 1999 retail. I don't want these Star Trek figures to come out and be 1999. It'd be bad enough if they were $10 retail, and I'm feeling they're probably gonna be somewhere between $12.99 and $15.99, and, uh, you know, that will also preclude me from buying lots of doubles like I did the Playmates, because the Playmates, you know, when they came out, they were five bucks a pop. And I think when, when they ended the Playmates, they were maybe six, well, depending on the size of the figure, they were like between six and and eight ninety nine a pop. And, uh <clears throat> The one thing I will say this is the original Playmates figures did not hold their value very well. Certain figures did, like the Red Red Redemption Data, uh, data and there was a uh, Lieutenant Barkley. Uh, I've got both of those. I actually have one of each of those for sale at an upcoming toy show. And those those because what and, and the thing about the Star Trek figures, the people who are buying them are modders. So the the uh, Monster Maroon. Characters from generations, uh, the uh, motion picture Spock and, and Kirk and all of them figures, those are the ones that are sought after, but not for a lot of money because modders want to build custom figures out of them, but they need the uniform bodies. Yeah. <clears throat> you know? So, uh, they're, they're, you, you, on those, you're not going to lose your money, but you're not going to make a huge profit for having kept them for 20 years. Exactly. You know. As, as a matter of fact, if you go to most collectible toy stores, they'll have some, almost anybody will have some, because they made so many. That's also part of the problem. And they made so many, and even though they numbered them, and, and as a collectors, we were, originally, we were, you know, trying to get all the low-number figures and all this other stuff. At the end of the day, the it numbers didn't were meaningless. Matter. Yeah. You know.
1: There were very few... Uh, collections that they put out that that actually mattered. Yeah. That 1701 series was like the only one that really Well, mattered. and that
0: that pissed a whole lot of collectors it off really because did. it was a limited edition and so then they released like another so it was, I think it was limited to 15,000 figures originally in the 1701. There were, they had a few ones like that and then because collectors got so mad because they couldn't finish their collections, they then like produced another 10,000 of them. Of each figure. And it's like, really? So just because a collector gets mad, you're, you're taking away the fact that you're now not going to have any value in these figures. Or you're at least diminishing the value because now...
1: There's even more of them.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I belong to a couple groups on Facebook of modders who do Star Trek mods, and some of them are amazing.
1: They are. I've, I've been... <clears throat> Amazed. I mean, they look like they're real figures. Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, what I'll tell you, what amazes me, because I've seen this on, I belong to, because Star Trek and and um, G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, are kind of my uh, my two big things. I, I love the original Star Wars figures, but even though I collected all the Power of the Force ones, I'm like divul- or getting rid of all those out of my collection. I mean, I have some open ones and stuff like that, but. There's probably a lot of those that are gonna go away too, the of the open ones. I, I've been selling off all my complete packaged ones. Um and and like some of the later G.I. Joe lines, like the, the G.I. Joe Sigma Six, which were cool, and, and part of the reason we collected them is when my son was little. Those were were the G.I. Joe of the time and, and so we were collecting them because he was getting them. Yeah. And uh but you know, I've been selling all that stuff. You, you can only have so much, and if you want more, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like the new Star Trek ones, and, and uh, but but going back to the Prodigy figure, so you know they've uh, uh, they're doing Gwendola, Jinkum Pog, who I think the figure is awesome. You know that, and it's funny because you know he's a teller, right? <laughs> Um Dal. Uh, he's come, Dal comes with Murph, so you actually get two figures in that, and Zero, and then Rock Tok, um, who is, is one of the bad guys, and then they're also doing a hologram Janeway, which I think is pretty cool. Now, the, you know, my curiosity is so, I, I've seen the pictures from Playmates of the sculpts, um, I actually think the data is not great, but I think the Picard and Riker look better. The proportions of their faces and the details in the faces are better. Um, But what accessories do they come with? You know? Because that's part of it too. And then I do believe in the first wave that they're going to be, there's a phaser prop coming out. You know, a life-size one, not one of the original, (laughs) or particularly the glue phaser one that was bigger than a kid's hand. (laughs) But uh, what's interesting about this is so that phase one is coming out in July, so those first eight figures the phase two are coming out in October November for online order, but you won't see them in retail stores until
1: twenty twenty three that's kinda odd yeah. you would think they would want to hit the christmas well it says market. here
0: here's the actual quote from uh, from StarTrek.com's release of this, which is the official Star Trek website from Paramount. Um, The action figures will be available at online retailers beginning in October of 2022 and on store shelves in spring of 2023. Wow. New Star Trek Prodigy ships, vehicles, and roleplay toys will be available later in 2023.
1: Well, and again, it'll be interesting to see if they do the marketing for the toys like they have the show. Yeah. I mean, they're claiming that that's a, a show for kids. Uh, yeah, we've talked about this before. Yeah. I, I don't know. that Well, kids I mean, are the funny it, thing is, is,
0: for the Prodigy Wave 2 line, they're releasing as many characters from that show as they're releasing in their whole Wave, wave yeah. 1 of Series 1.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's the new Hot Property. Yeah. You know, and well, they think I, I, it should. It should. I mean, kids, for, from kids from it, should like it. it.
0: From yeah, from, it's. I actually I've enjoyed watching it. Uh, there have been a couple episodes that were like, this is just fluff in between. But for the most part, you know, uh, Prodigy was was at least what they've aired so far this year. Because remember, this is not all of season one. It felt like it, but it's not. Because um, they kind of did a, it, well, it felt like it twice too. Because. You then have the discovery break in, in this. So, But I, I've enjoyed the show. Now, what I wish they would have done, and it would have been much easier to do it this way, because it's a different animation style, is I really wish they would have done the Lower Decks figures. Yeah. You know, including a Lower Decks Riker. And uh, to me, that would have been... Awesome, you know, and they you could then get a you know a Cerritos that had the the you know like the old Playmate ships where they made noises and sounds and lit up and and all of that, I, you know. I don't, it's kind of funny. My room in college had all those Star Trek ships displayed, uh-huh. and now I don't even display those, they're all put away. Uh, the ships that I have displayed are the. Um, the, the Creo Enterprise from the 2009 movie. Okay. And then the uh, Mega Bloks Enterprise D. Uh, those are the only two ships I have on display. And I think part of that's because my son growing up, I mean, I always loved Legos. And actually, a lot of the sets that I built for my original Star Trek figures, from, from the Mego ones all the way to... Uh, the the uh, TNG ones uh, for for uh, from Playmates was uh, I built it all out of Legos. You know there were enough specialized space parts that you know you could build consoles for ships and and uh, and things. So the, I I don't know. I guess it's that that mixture of Star Trek and Lego that I like. I can dig it. Yeah. So let's move on from there. You know, I'm excited about that. Um but I'm not super excited. You know. I mean I'm more excited about the prodigy figures than I am the the uh the others. Although I again I, I will say I've got better pictures and so the sculpts are better. I just don't like the fact that the characters are shiny.
1: You know? Yeah. Um That's a materials choice.
0: Yeah. So let's move on to another thing I want to talk about. All right. this new Star Trek movie is back on yeah. for real
1: yeah uh-huh.
0: and um, it is they they uh, they file thirteen Tarantino's Star Trek I, and I have a feeling that it was a mixture of reasons. I have a feeling part of it was fan uh, indifference the, mm-hmm. indifference, part of it was. Having Tarantino involved was going to drive the not only the production costs up, but just his 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 portion that he would want from the profits was going to be huge. Yeah, and that you just don't see that from a Star Trek movie typically. No, and um, and then you know Quentin Tarantino is he's he's a flake. <laughs> you know, oh, I didn't get my way I'm moving over here to do this. So, oh, I'm not interested in doing that anymore, you know.
1: Oh, uh, and we've already had one of those guys. Yeah. In well, the you know,
0: the the thing that disturbs me the most about this Star Trek 4 coming out is that JJ J. Abrams is still
1: involved. Well, of course, it's his corner of that universe. And until they decide to finally kill it, completely. Yeah. I didn't read it. There was a an article I saw uh, that I I totally agreed with the headline. It was like it's about two years too late for Star Trek Four.
0: Yes. Yes. It's my personal opinion on. Although I think, for the most part, I think Chris Pine and Carl Urban did great job reprising the role of Kirk and. Dr. McCoy. I think the rest of the cast does a very mediocre job at best being Spock, Uhura, particularly Scotty, because Simon Pegg tries to make Scotty
1: into a, a farce. rather A, than a, a Yeah. Rather than a, a legitimate, you know, yeah. serious character. I, I, I have no beef with John Cho as Sulu.
0: No, but he doesn't he doesn't add anything to the role, while yeah. he also doesn't subtract anything.
1: Well, and honestly, yeah. that's a that's a plus yeah. in this cast. It is. It is. Uh, I mean, and Zoe so Saldana is as, as
0: she's eye candy, uh, yeah. window dressing. But I mean, unless they really make a storyline around Ahura, what's why?
1: Yeah. And initially, I liked Zachary Kinto as as Spock, but the longer he plays it, and now having
0: Ethan Peck,
1: yeah, I almost call him Ethan Hawke every time. Yeah. I know. Uh, as a comparison, it's yeah. it, I, it, it's less.
0: Well, you know, the, the other thing is, is so what story are they going to tell? Because one, the the problem that I've had, uh, although I enjoyed. I have enjoyed those Star Trek movies. It's like it's not real Trek. It's less real Trek than Lower Decks is. Yes. And why is it? Because the continuity issues. You know, the first movie, you go from cadet to being captain of the Federation flagship. Wrong. That doesn't happen even in the Star Trek universe. Look how long it took Burnham to become captain. And they were giving her every chance in the world to become a captain <laughs> in Discovery.
1: Well, the thing about diversity is that they wanted the show to be about her journey to right. being captain. So I, I kind of the, think the thing is, they've is, done it too soon.
0: Well, But, I, I mean, same thing. You can't do, a, do it from a movie, you know. Yeah. Um, but th- that was just the beginning. You know, if that were the only thing that they had done that was a continuity issue, that oh, yeah, would have sure. been okay. Well, one and done, yeah, yeah, you
1: can do that. But the fact that, that, you know, the main producer has no concept beyond, hey, man, I watched a couple episodes yeah. Yeah. and I pulled a few things out of it, we'll call them an homage yeah. and they'll be happy.
0: We don't need an homage. What they need. It, but again, going back to what I was saying, what is the movie going to be about? It would have been kind of exciting if they had done it two years ago and they were still able to get Chris Hemsworth and the idea where there was going to be a time travel thing and and you know the Kirks were going to get to meet and uh, you know and solve some issue in you know in the Kelvin universe. But that's it. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I have a feeling they're going to tie it somehow to Discovery.
1: Oh, I'm sure they will because J.J. can't have...
0: An original idea.
1: An original idea. Yep. I mean, he just... He can't. Well, without
0: Carlton Cruz, he cannot have... He can't
1: even appear to have an original idea. Um, that being said... And I think he lacks the intestinal fortitude to push an original idea. I think he's too afraid. He's been allowed to dabble in these massive sci-fi franchises, yeah. and he has failed every step of the way.
0: Oh, yeah. If I were Disney, I'd be furious. I mean, they are furious. Di- I mean, just as a side uh, bar here on Star Wars, but at the moment, if they were not... Disney is... is and they're still seriously considering this if it weren't the fact that they have in the parks dedicated so much stuff like the New Galaxy's Edge to the time period for the new movies, they were planning on retconning the sequel trilogy. And it wouldn't surprise me if they don't do that anyway. And I think they will too. I I think it's going to take them a couple more years and you're going to see... And you'll see things change. You'll see things develop in the book of anything but Boba Fett Hmm. and... The Mandalorian and Ahsoka and, and these other series that will change, fundamentally change what happened in, the, you know, the, the new Star Wars trilogy. And they'll go, well, that is part of the, I forget what they called it when they took the, the Thrawn trilogy and all of that and moved it to...
1: Uh, legends. Or yeah, they called it Legends.
0: That's, that's all Star Wars Legends. And this is the real canon,
1: you know. I will say this about that. The one thing that I used to like about the Star Wars saga was that George Lucas ran all of it. Correct. And he had a Bible and people was not confusing. Yeah,
0: people would come in and, you know, pitch ideas. I want to write even the authors who wrote the books, I want to write a, a book about Star Wars, you know, add something to the universe. And he would go, okay, come pitch me your idea. And he and his team would go through the Bible and go, well, you got to change this, or we can't have that because the Bible's already established this. Yeah. And Star Wars kind of threw all of that out, you know?
1: Well, that's because it became about the cash cow. And then Lucas sold it. And, you know, Disney tried to squeeze every last penny out of it. Tried to. They're still trying to squeeze every last penny. And they're, only of, just now starting to understand their folly.
0: Yeah. Well, what's funny is um, there was an article the other day saying that, you know, for a long time it appeared that, you know, the, the big cultural impact, the, the larger of the, the cultural impacts in, in American science fiction storytelling was going to be Star Wars. And they are like, no, nope, Star Trek's already beat them, you know. And, and, you know, good on Paramount, because for a while there, they didn't have their act together either, because they had a whole bunch of... You know, we complain about continuity issues um, back in the day before, you know, when TNG... Well, even before TNG, when it was just the, the books. And some of them were great, and they were written by Star Trek authors like D.C. Fontana and... Uh, what was it, Diane... Uh,
1: uh, I, I like a lot of the Diane Carey books. Yeah.
0: But they they... Broke uh, canon essentially a lot. a lot, you know. And so fans were all in, you know, like, this is what happened and stuff. And it was like, well, that really didn't happen because that was just a book. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but at least Star, Star Trek it identified that if it's not coming directly from Paramount, it is not canon. Yeah. And that didn't mean that there were th- other things that weren't canon that, like, when they licensed the FASA game, that was canon. When they licensed the, you know, the Okudas did the Star Trek TNG technical manual. A lot of those supplementary things that were licensed by Paramount directly, where they, had, they were giving input, those were, they, you know, Paramount considered that canon. But there was a lot of stuff that they licensed out that wasn't canon, too. You know, particularly in the early days, but i I at this point, as much as I like Pine and and Carl Urban and and you know, I, I do like Simon Pegg, I just don't think he's the one who's meant to be Scotty.
1: Well, and how much of that is writing too? Yeah. But he's writing yeah.
0: it. <laughs> that's the problem. Um I mean Super Fuzz is one of my favorite movies. He, he,
1: yeah, but that ain't Scotty.
0: No, that's not. But that's the way he, he
1: well, wrote yeah, that. No, and, and that's, that's what I'm getting he, at. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I mean it's I I don't have a problem with him being the actor that plays Scotty. I take exception to what choices have been made. I agree. Around Scotty.
0: Agree. And you know, there are some things that I like that they did Which was a... It wasn't really a break in continuity, but it was a change in how they used technology. But, like, Star Trek communicators... The Starfleet communicator was more like a cell phone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Kirk's halfway across the galaxy and using subspace relays and calling Scotty in a space station bar. You know, I thought that was pretty cool. But, you know, again... One or two little things you can change, you can't change big. I mean, and, and that's not the only thing. There, there are some other things that I think were pretty cool.
1: Well, you know, they've never really talked about how the communicator is supposed to work. Work, I know. You know, so I get that. I mean, that's yeah. one of the things you can you can make a change like that, and, and it it doesn't affect how the whole thing works. Changing Con into a stiff-ass Brit, I can't get there. I just can't get there.
0: See, I think Khan, I mean, I like Benedict Cumberbatch or Batch or however I, you say his name.
1: I, I do too, but n- But I think n- not they should have gotten
0: Kumail Najani to be Khan. <laughs> 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 or uh, uh, what's his name, Aziz? Uh
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, they might as well. I mean that that would have scotified.
0: Yeah, he could have been, you know, Tom Hannaford.
1: Instead <laughs> exactly. <of laughs> exactly. Instead <laughs> instead of of exactly what I was saying.
0: Okay, let's move on. Let's let's talk diversity. Okay. Or Star Trek Discovery for all of you who have not been listening and hear our reference about this all the time. So. First season of Discovery was okay. Was okay. Had some great moments, like the the Harry Mudd episode with Lorca. Um, season two, I thought was phenomenal. But what made season two was Anson Mount and Ethan Peck bringing Pike and Spock into this universe. But even if you take them out and you replace them with other characters. Um, you know that we may not have known. The writing of that season was excellent. They well, had it, a, they it, had a clear storyline. It was, um, It it covered the you know the things that you you like about Star Trek and Starfleet, you know. So you had they discovered something that was unknown. They had a believable enemy and an AI. And they had a really good resolution. And that resolution not only was both uh, heroic, but had tragedy involved. You lost Admiral Cornwall in that. Yeah. Um, You go to season three, (sighs) where they jump the shark to the future, (sighs) and had the worst reason for the burn ever...
1: Now honestly, if it weren't for the resolution that Crying Kelpian kid. Yeah. The burn itself was actually a what, pretty good mystery. So. It, yes. The letdown came from well, the resolution well, that there was two just
0: things. sucked. The letdown came down from for two reasons. One, the resolution to the burn was in the mid-season yep. of, you know, and when you're talking about a a uh, Ten episode, eleven episode season. By episode five, they had you know, oh, we've resolved the reason for the burn, and then they had the other they they, they had you know the other the the Osira part, which was actually good. The Emerald Chain Osira, but that could have
1: been two seasons in and of itself. Well, and and that brings me back to to my problem with diversity. Well, my one of my many problems with diversity. If it's a 10 episode arc and you're running two main plot Story points yeah. you need to go at least 15. Yes. I agree. I Agree. They just But the, to the me, payoff is not no, near but as But see what what I would have done. As, as
0: as a writing if I were a writer on the show and producer I would have said, okay, we have two seasons of Star Trek Discovery here. Yeah. We have the burn, which in and of itself has a re- it needs to be resolved in the whole 10 or 11 episode season. Yeah. And we can introduce our antagonist for the next season, the Emerald Chain, yeah. by them trying to figure out why the burn happened. Yes. But instead they decided to do half and half, and essentially squeeze two storylines together. Which is the the mistake they made
1: in the first season. Yes,
0: where they they switched to the mirror universe. Yes,
1: and I was just like, what the, what is this? You know, why, uh, what happened? (laughs) You know, and and in the first season, you can almost understand it because they had such a tumultuous time at the top with showrunners and the writer's room was a mess and... You know, I I say about Star Trek Four what I said about diversity initially, and it's mm-hmm. I'll believe that when I see it, because they were talking about this show for like three or four years. Yeah, and it never happened. Yep.
0: No, I agree. I agree. And then now you got the current season, so we have a new. The DMA is the the new. Um, you know, and what is it? Species ten or whatever. Ten, 10 C. Ten C. Whatever. Um, ten cent. <laughs> um, so you have th- this whole thing. You had the. You had a fairly. To me, it's been a fairly mediocre season. It, it's definitely not the I'm in my stride and have good writing and compelling storyline season that you usually get after the third season of a Star Trek series.
1: Exactly. Um But that, you have to you have to realize this is every season of this show has been like it's a brand new show.
0: It that's true. That's true. One, they I couldn't mean,
1: decide who the captain was gonna be.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, this show's had more captains than seasons. I mean really. Yep. Um,
0: well now now we have the the uh Star Trek three and on captain <laughs> issue
1: going on. Well wow. I'm waiting we, for Stan- we, we knew I'm, that was coming. I'm waiting
0: for Stamets and Jet Reno to get promoted to captain, so we have four. That way they 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 yeah.
1: just rotate them in. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but there's just so many things this season that have culminated to make it just mediocre at best. They they even ha- they haven't even had a really, in my opinion, great episode they've had moments where they could have been like the episode where they went to save the, the prisoners on that planet mm-hmm. that if that were a TOS episode with a, like DC Fontana writing it that would have been an excellent episode but the resolution on it was kind of crappy um, although I will say it's probably one of the better episodes of the season
1: that's a low bar it is
0: the other one is you know when they're they because they developed this Cleveland Booker character who I like, um, until he kind of went off the rails. But, you know, when he was on the planet doing the rite of manhood with his nephew and all of that, and you were seeing the Quajon culture and all of this, they really had a chance to develop that, so that the impact of the DMA destroying the planet really meant something. Yeah. And the only person it meant anything to was Cleveland Booker. (laughs) Exactly. You know. And uh they didn't do enough background on uh what is his name? The 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 uh Ryzen Tarka. Tarka, yeah. You know, and, and now this last episode, if you haven't watched it, spoilers ahead, because we're gonna talk about it. Uh this last episode has been terrible. Um Tarka has ruined his his uh status Booker's probably going to go to jail, although, you know... All
1: oh, we'll will be forgiven. The, yeah, in some way. Um, and we'll be right back to them back being into the relationship again, because this season's Burnham crying is her and, and Book, Book breaking up and getting back, back together. together, yeah, constantly. I mean, it's... Yeah, it, it's just totally disappointing.
0: Um, I'm... I don't... It, I don't have words to say how disappointing it is. That's why every other show, even Picard, which I mean, season one of Picard was good, but I don't consider it great. It was I'll tell you why it was good, it's because there were the feel-goods of seeing the, the reprisals of all these characters that we grew up with.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> and um, But that's the nostalgia that they were going for. You know, they were yeah. trying to hook into while adding on these extra characters yeah. and, and, and all this other nonsense. But, you know,
0: um, and, and they're continuing that. I mean, that's yeah. the whole reason they've added Q, and and they're going to bring back a few more players from TNG and, and Voyager and, you know, that all the concurrent shows. Although none of the DS9 cast has made a reappearance yet.
1: I've heard that they pitched Avery Brooks, and Avery Brooks said no. I can see that, but... Me too. I also think that's stupid on his part. <laughs> R- Rene Auberjonois is dead. Is dead. Um, Alexander Siddig could be on the show, though. He could. He could actually tie into one of these Section 31 shows, yeah. if you ask me. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't. But Nana Visitor, I mean, you know, there's... Colm, Colm- Meaning,
0: I don't think, wants to do it anymore. Well, I don't think they could afford cold meaning. <laughs> 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 I mean, Paramount could, but... To bring him in for a couple of episodes might be too much.
1: I don't know. He's he's done some things that I'm like, wow, really? He's in that? Yeah. I, I mean, know. like S- S- Stargate Atlantis. It's, yeah, it's true. I mean, he did like 10 or 12 of those. Yeah, but we're still talking a while ago. Well, that's true. You know? And I think he's getting to the point where he's, he's old enough now where he's like, do I really want to go do that? I mean, I yeah. could go do it for nostalgia reasons, but...
0: Well, he was. He's also not one like Avery Brooks. He's not one who's been on the convention circuit and and everything. You know, even even Patrick Stewart for a long for a while a long while he was pretty hard on the
1: convention circuit. I mean, I saw him two or three times. I at smaller conventions. Seen him once that I can remember. Uh, Well, we saw maybe twice. We saw him first time in Indianapolis. Yeah. And.
0: uh, I saw him in Columbus once. And I was
1: going to say, didn't he come to CareCon?
0: Yeah. So I would have been twice. And then I saw him in Vegas. Yeah, I'm not going to Vegas. That's the only time I've seen Avery Brooks was in Vegas. The
1: only time oh, I've seen Shatner twice. I was going to say, uh, the only time I saw Shatner was in, in Chicago, but I saw him in Cleveland once, too. Yeah.
0: But, you know. Well... As we're sadly disappointed probably by the rest of the, the uh, season of uh, Divsco. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Send us some feedback to gizmosapiens at gmail.com. And uh, we'll see you on the digital flip side. Gizmo Sapiens, a technology and entertainment podcast. You can reach us at our email address at gizmosapiens
1: at gmail.com. That's G-I-Z-M-O-S-A-P-I-E-N-S at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you, and we'll see you next week from the digital flip side.